Hello, everyone. It's Sherry Dutter from The Writing Glitch. I am here today on the Emotional Kids Summit with Heather Hodgins Chan. Heather is an occupational therapist. She is, there's another episode. If you go back into the archives, you're going to find out another episode from her. But I wanted to call her back because she is a specialist in trauma. She's an occupational therapist. She has a certificate in psychotherapy as well. And so she really works at the core of helping these kids transition their regulation to being able to access learning. Welcome to the uh, summit, Ms. Heather. Thank you so much for having me again, Sherry. Heather comes to us from above the border up there in Canada. And I just love that this is an international summit. We have had an interview from the UK. We're having one from Canada. And we've had states all over the United States. It's been just a joy to hear what happens in different parts of the world. So thank you for joining us. Welcome. So tell the audience who may not know anything about you, who is Heather Hodgins Chot? I'm an occupational therapist registered in the province of Ontario. And like Sherry was saying, I'm an occupational therapist who also practices psychotherapy. And this is something that uh, I've gotten into over the last few years as I learn more about trauma and its effect on the brain and learning. I'm passionate about helping children with sensory processing challenges. And I've been working with children for many years now. Next year will mark the 25th year of me being an OT, which is pretty exciting. It's hard to believe at the same time. But I love what I do. And I also co-founded a clinic here in Kanata, Ontario, which is a suburb of Ottawa. The clinic's name is On the Ball Pediatric Physio and Occupational Therapy. And so we provide therapy for children from birth through to early adulthood. And so another one of my passions is that I love mentoring the team of occupational therapists. So I take on the role of team lead OT at that clinic. And you do such an amazing job at that. I know you've mentored me in the past on things and I, it blows me away sometimes how calm you are when you're working with these kids and how you're able to mentor them. I'm like, I'll go. And you're like, calm. <laughs> so before we started, you had this whole list of things that were that you wanted to talk about. But I want you to really focus on what is some strategies that teachers specifically, yes, occupational therapists and parents will also use them. But what can we, those teachers that are in the classroom, they've got a kid that's in the middle of an outburst. How can they calm that child down so that they can get back into the state of learning? Yes. So I had a conversation today about this actually in our uh, OT mentoring office hour at our clinic about how it's so important to provide sensory diet strategies and input to the body in order to prevent meltdowns from happening. And so I would encourage teachers and educators out there to think about introducing body breaks regularly in the day for children who have been identified as those that have difficulties with emotional regulation. 
So one of the biggest things I think affecting our children's ability to attend nowadays is that they often have difficulty processing the, all of the sensory information around them. They're used to go going, as you said, Sherry. And so it's very difficult for some of these children to be able to sit and listen uh, within a group environment. If you think about all the sensory input they have to take in, there are bright lights in the classroom. There are sounds that could be distracting outside. There could be other little children pushing into them while they're sitting in the circle. There could be a whole lot of underlying reasons why the child has difficulty with emotional regulation. And so that's something that I'm really passionate about finding out whenever I meet with a, a family. What are, can we tease out some of these specific sensory processing difficulties? And one of the big things is that children often have difficulty with proprioceptive awareness. And that means that they have trouble with body and space awareness, and they don't exactly know how much pressure to put on a pencil. They have a hard time sitting up because they may have very weak core muscles. They may try and lean into other children, not on purpose, but they may do that because they're seeking out where they should be seated while they're at the carpet or even on a chair. And by providing lots of opportunity for heavy work activities or proprioceptive input type activities, like animal walks from station to station or jumping jacks, wall push-ups, jumping on a trampoline, we can often decrease the amount of meltdowns that children have within the learning environment. Uh, absolutely. I think about the one activity that is going to be part of the companion course, and that is the handstand flip. Have I ever shared with you what the handstand flip is? You haven't. For our listeners, you may have, because I've talked about that several times on the podcast. Basically, it is where you put your hands up over your head, palms toward the ceiling. You're standing, your hands are up over your head. You hold that. We can add a book just to give that reinforcement. But really, you're putting yourself in a full extension with your feet on the floor. Posture. These kids don't get in that posture enough. They're constantly curled up in a ball in a, like a fetal position. They're like sitting on the couch, all slouched over. They don't get enough strength. And sometimes this, a lot of times this exercise sometimes causes pain in the kids because their hips are going, wait a minute, you want me to be where? Standing straight and tall. And I've had teachers do this exercise. I had a third grade teacher, I was talking to her about it. She came back to me the next day and said, the two kids that I had in my classroom that I was thinking about, they wrote so much better all day long. I said, keep doing it again today. And she's over time, she came back to me and said, these kids are so improving so much with that one exercise. So isn't that amazing? Looking at this exercise now, how did I come up with the title? I was looking at fall research. And one of the things about fall research and prevention thereof is weight bearing. We need to weight bear on our extremities so that we can improve the strength, which will reduce falls. I was trying to figure out how to get a classroom of kids to stand on their hands, but the vision of the dominoes against the wall was just a little too much for me to handle. So I, fl <laughs> I flipped well, it. <laughs> and then just drawing on that topic as well, we have so many children that 
have difficulty with core muscle strength. You often see well, children falling out of their chairs or leaning to the side. Uh, some of these children have uh, retained primitive reflexes that affect their postural stability while they're seated. And so they have, they're spending so much attention trying to keep themselves upright that they are not focused on the lesson. So that's what we do in therapy is that we really break down holistically what is going on with the child, what could be the reasons affecting their attention. And so we're looking at sensory processing, which we spoke about a little bit, core muscle strength, issues such as previous traumatic events that can affect their emotional regulation or their ability to connect with others. If you think about it, so many children have been through so much with the pandemic happening. It was very traumatic for so many children. They didn't get out to the park or playgroups um, with other children. And so they might have difficulty establishing those relationships. Some of them may have been through other traumatic events, such as uh, hurricanes or massive flooding or all of those natural disasters that are happening all over the world. And those... Wait a minute. Let, let me just pause there. There's fires happening in Canada right now. Yes. How many of those kids are having trouble with potentially even just breathing? And that can cause a traumatic impact in their day. Absolutely. So trauma is the emotional response to a stressful event. And so that can really impact a child's nervous system. It puts them in a state of hyperarousal in some cases, and in other cases, it causes them to shut down. And so both of those scenarios can impact learning. But getting back to the breathing and how important that is for self-regulation, studies have shown the importance of the inner core musculature and its impact on breathing and regulation. Because when you think about it, if you go to a yoga class, Sherry, you breathe in through your nose and you exhale through your mouth. Try that. <laughs> so it's on the exhale that the brain receives input to downregulate, to relax. And that's why breathing is so effective for having a person regulate or relax their nervous system. And so it's another way that teachers can actually work at preventing some of those meltdowns. Now, if a meltdown is happening and it hasn't, you couldn't have prevented it, one quick way to help a child is to get them blowing into something. We often use what we call bubble volcanoes at the clinic. We have a container of water and a little tube of airline tubing that we put into the water, or sometimes we use milkshake straws, which are wider, and we get the children blowing. And so Again, it's that blowing out that triggers the brain to go into a relaxed state. So that's another way to help children when they're in the middle of a meltdown, because I know that was the original question. Now, the second part of that is and, that, and part of that... And part of that is that it helps you regulate the inhale. When the, if you force the exhale, when you go to inhale, you can expand your oxygen cavity beyond where it was the last time. So the next time you breathe out, when you're breathing out the carbon dioxide and then you breathe back in, you're getting more oxygen to the brain. So it's yeah. this cyclical response that the brain is engaging in. Absolutely. It's important also to know that the auditory part of the brain is offline. 
it's not working when a child is in a state of hyperarousal or help having a meltdown. And so one of the things that I see at the clinic or even in schools that I've been to is that the educator or the parent will try and talk the child through the meltdown. But we know from science that part of the brain is not working when a child is that in that state of hyperarousal. And so one of the best things that you can do is not talk to a child when they're in the middle of a meltdown, bring them away from a whole lot of activity. Um, sometimes a small little tent in the classroom can be helpful, a small cozy corner with some Christmas lights. It could be even as simple as a big box with a few little twinkle lights inside and a nice big cushion, just a place that helps define their space and provide them with that comforting area where they can have a sense of where they are using a weighted lap pad or a weighted animal or a weighted blanket, something like that in the fort can also add that proprioceptive input, which is calming for the nervous system. It makes me think of kids in play in the living room. They're watching TV and then they take all the cushions off the couch, put the blankets up over them. They create (laughs) forts. They create the space themselves. That's right. And it's fun and they're getting that pressure on their body and they're feeling safe. Now, that's a big part of regulation is that children need to feel safe wherever they are. And if they don't feel safe, they have a hard time connecting and learning in an environment if they feel threatened or overwhelmed. And that's where it's so important to get a good history about what the child has been through, I think, before you even bring them into a classroom. Get to know what they like and how they can connect with you. And I can see that can be hard trying to uh, get some kind of history on 30 kids. Absolutely. Before school starts. So that's why those parent-teacher conferences are meet the teacher night. That's the one I'm talking about. Are so crucial that you can be there as a parent to say, hey, look, Joey's been in this traumatic experience. I just want you to be aware of it. This is how we've handled it in the past. Hopefully we can connect if we have issues coming up. It's so important. I can't emphasize that enough either. The A child may look like they're having a really hard time and it may look like they're trying to be defiant and they really just might be falling apart inside. Their, their brain is just in a state of hyperarousal. And so it's important to get an understanding of how these children think. And so that's where OT comes in. We're the detectives. We're looking for the reasons underneath the behavior. I think there's been a theme. If you listen to many of the other episodes, calming, no talking, sensory-based interventions, and other ways to create alternative conversation after they've come down seems to be a theme through this entire summit. So thank you for expanding and adding clarity to to that, Heather. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience? I think co-regulation, like you just highlighted, is just so important. So if a child is sensing that you are overwhelmed, they are going to sense that in themselves. They're going to, you're going to sense that you're not feeling regulated. And so that may be very dysregulating for them too. So it's an, it's important to, I think as an educator to take that time every now and then just to check in on yourself. And 
it's a busy classroom environment. I really feel for teachers nowadays because they have so many children in their care and they're going all day. And we know that co-regulation is so key for these children. It's hard, but I think just to be mindful of that or even incorporate some sort of mindfulness into the classroom. Movement and mindfulness. I think movement just helps children express themselves. It helps develop their core muscles that they need for sitting up in a, in a, at a desk, being able to regulate themselves. And so without that movement, they're going to have a hard time regulating. Most kids like to move and need to move. So I hear you saying that the teacher and the student should all engage in mindfulness activities at some point throughout every day. Can you give us an example of how the whole classroom could engage in a mindfulness breathing activity with the teacher? Absolutely. So it wouldn't necessarily even have to be a breathing exercise. It could be some deep pressure activities or some animal walks around the classroom prior to mealtime or lunchtime. And it could be something like mindful eating. They did this at my son's school and he was in grade six. And the teacher was amazing. She got the children to all eat together and then she'd ask questions and she'd say things like, so what are you tasting right now? Think about what is in your mouth right now. Think about, is it soft? Is it hard, sweet, salty? And so it got children becoming more aware of their own body. And it got them thinking about how they feel in their body. And that's something called interoception. That is the eighth sense that occupational therapists talk about. So knowing how we feel inside and what our body requires at any given time. Do we feel like we're upset? Do we feel calm? Do we need to go to the washroom? Are we thirsty? Am I tired? Those are all sorts of things that are brought in with that interoceptive activity. So that's a mindfulness-based activity that doesn't necessarily require a lot of breathing. They could possibly do a little bit of yoga together as like a part of a gym class. Some children might feel dizzy putting their head upside down. And other children, they may not feel dizzy at all. And so just becoming more mindful of how their bodies are moving and responding. The word dizzy makes me think about explaining what that means to kids because some kids will feel funny things that happen in their head and they don't know how to put words to it lightheadedness dizzy other words do mean different things and really trying to help the kids understand the difference is helpful to you as an adult translate that and transfer that information to other people that need to know. Absolutely. So as part of my assessment, when I see a child in OT for a full assessment, I actually look at their eyes. I get them to read for me. I get them to write and copy things for me. And so I do a bit of a physical or a eye exam, not like an optometrist would do, but I do a quick screening for vision. I look at their psychotic eye movement, their tracking. Okay, and so we could talk eyes. about this. Affecting yeah. learning. Saccades <laughs> are when you move your eyes from the left to the right. And one of the things that 
occupational therapists are looking for is blinking. So if you have a kiddo who is having difficulty with reading and they get uh, a lot of blinking going on while they're trying to read, it might be that. So have an occupational therapist take a look. Absolutely. I did an assessment yesterday and I had a little boy read for me. And I said, do any of the page and do any of the letters look like they're moving on the page? And he said, not the ones I'm reading, but the ones underneath are really moving around a lot. Hmm. And so that just made me even more curious about his eyes and his tracking. So then looked at his tracking a little bit and he had a hard time converging his eyes. And I said, I think we need to get this checked out by um, a developmental optometrist to make sure that you don't have any difficulties with the actual eye. And we do know that you can have difficulties with visual perception, but it's always important to rule out difficulties with the eye. So all Mm -hmm. of these things can definitely affect attention. And a child can only take so much, right? It's the cup will overflow and learning We put learning on the top of that cup and all of these things go into the cup, but then we can only hold so much. And then I think children just eventually reach a point where they lose it and they dysregulate. And so we need to figure out how they can fill their cup without spilling. There's so many factors. Yeah, And they might hold it together at school, but by the time that they get home, that they are over the top and they might just dysregulate when they get home, but we also have to help them budget. So teachers keep that in mind that if you have a parent that's saying they're losing it when they get home, but they're holding it together at school, we need to budget their day and help them out throughout the day as well. So that by the time they get home, they're not going to overflow. Absolutely. One of the biggest things is that The children that are having the most difficulty with learning are probably the children that need recess and movement the most. And I'll often hear of teachers removing recess from a child's day, which actually could be making matters worse. So it helps them regulate. Yes. Yeah, I really hate that they take recess away for the middle school and high school kids. They need it just as much. They absolutely do. Yeah. Heather, I wanted to know, is there anything that you have to offer the the listeners here at the Emotional Kids Summit? I've put together a presentation about trauma and the impacts of trauma on learning. And I would love to be able to have people sign up for your course. And those people will have an opportunity to join my course that I'm giving. It was a one and a half hour presentation on trauma and the nervous system. Wonderful. And the regular retail price for that you said was $297? Yes. You're getting a masterclass that's an hour and a half that's normally $297. And Heather is going to gift that to you. How amazing is that? So make sure that you look for her link in the companion course so that you can find out more information about when she's going to hold that masterclass. Wonderful. Thank you, Heather, for being here. Thanks, Sherry. Remember, you were put here for such a time as this. This has been Sherry from The Writing Glitch on the Emotional Kids Summit.